Leah and I just recorded almost a whole episode and we weren't <laughs> recording the whole time. <laughs> we were so smart and funny. We were so good. We just went on best. and on and on and on. Weirdos. We're hey, back, weirdos. We're back. We're unfortunately not joking about the fact that we just went about 20 or 30 minutes into a topic and <laughs> we were, I was recording only the musical stylings that you are know new. Gonna be, I want to listen to that where it's just like pause, 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 pause. We're going to release that styling. as a special episode, which is none of us talking and just these little musical <laughs> key, like cheap typing things I'm doing right now. I, you know, the people who really <sighs> liked the Twin Peaks episode are going to love that. Well, that They're would gonna be, listen to that. Yeah, it, it's like going to be Radiohead's next album. <laughs> that's it's for you guys. It's be just that. Oh, yeah, that's so true. That's we, had so a, true. we had our cold open. We read okay, the script. Okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Should cold we pretend? Open. Okay. Pretend. Okay. Okay. Hey, that never happened. We read the script. Yeah. This is Weird Religion, a podcast <laughs> for people who know religion is weird, but love it anyway. I'm Brian Doak. I'm a biblical scholar, professor, author, and my current pandemic therapy is that I have forgotten what it is to feel joy and what was the question. <laughs> I'm Leah Payne. I'm a historian, author, professor, and my current pandemic therapy is... 90 Day Fiance. Cringe. It's the best. Today we're talking about the evangelical pastor Rick Joyner and his call for a new civil war by divinely ordained militias to finish the job, the what he calls the unfinished job of the American Civil War and the Revolutionary War. Ugh, yes. And we are going to tell you a little bit more about what you can expect about our new podcasting method, our series, our timetable, our sponsorship, and basically here's the news. We're back pandemics style. I'm beyond excited. Maybe even feeling a thrill of joy. Join us. Join us. You remember back when we were doing more um, regular episodes in seasons, which yes. by the way, oh listeners, we're going to abandon the notion of seasons right now. We're going into just like open season, a new series. Because it's 2020 and there are no rules. 2020, no rules. We're just going to label no these by, by number. Like this one will be 001. Um, yep. This is called the militias for reasons that we will reveal we will tell you. shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, but And we're just going to release them kind of when they come out. Yep. Um, it could, could be several in one week. It could be not one for a week or two. And then suddenly another one could come and yes. we're just going to do that. Yes. But I wanted to ask you, I was going to hark back to one of our earlier seasoned episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot which season, but it's called The War. Yes, I where remember. We had Dr. James Bird, professor of history at Vanderbilt. Yes. And we asked him what we thought would be a kind of like a softball question with a predictable answer. He's a scholar of American religious history and war, particularly the Civil War um, and, and American attitudes toward, to, toward war. And we asked him, did he think that we were sounding like we were gearing up for a civil war? And this was like two years ago. Yes. And we thought he was going to say, ha ha ha, don't get so extreme, young man. But instead. Oh, yeah. He freaked both of us out a little bit. Me especially because I know Dr. James Bird personally, and I know him to be the classic historian personality, Mm -hmm. which is measured, careful thinker, not prone to making overstatements right. in any way. And right. in fact, he said, oh no, it sounds like we're headed toward a civil war. And well, here we are just a couple of years later. And dear listeners, <sighs> we bring to you, you know, we always bring you a pop culture artifact. We bring to you a pop culture artifact, sure enough, about religion and civil war in the United States of America. We are so excited to be back. We have some news to share with you. Um, We have been 
offline recently, but we've been online doing a lot of other things, namely supporting our entire industry as it transitions to digital learning because it's 2020. Doing our jobs instead of just like playing hooky and doing podcasting all the time. Yeah, yeah, but we couldn't stay away forever. And this time we have sponsorship. We are super excited. We've had a lot of partners and sponsors over the course of this podcast journey and we are so honored and we feel very special to have received a grant from the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning in Theology and Religion to partner with a couple of other podcasts to create um, some content and do some reflection on how to incorporate podcasts into religious studies and theological education and so we are just so excited about that. Wabash. You you can expect to hear more from us. Thank you so much, Wabash. This song is for you, Wabash. Wow. Yep. They're going to love that. They're going (laughs) to love that. They're going to love that. The Wabash people are going to hear it and they're going to be like, how do we get more? Yep. And the answer is just keep listening (laughs) because um, we're just trying to jazz it up a little bit. Okay. We are. We are. It's been a very strange time. I mean, as we speak right now, we're like living under a canopy of smoke because we are in Oregon, which over the last week has had the worst air quality in the entire world. Can I do a confession of a moment of terror that I had? I, so about six or seven days ago, a fire broke out in the low mountains near our fair town of Newburgh and where we both live, Yeah, where our university is. And I went for a walk with my dog upon being told that the fire was at this mountain called Shehalem Mountain, which is right by our town. And I was like, that can't be true. And it was nighttime. And I took my dog to a walk on the street that runs parallel to our street. And I Uh walked out into a field, a private property, just a clipped field. But I felt like I needed to get away from ground light to see better. Oh, yes. I saw flames shooting up and cresting (sighs) over the top of the mountain, (sighs) which was maybe honestly to be to be totally like transparent about it emotionally. It was like one of the worst moments I've had in recent memory. You know, I think for all of us. Just to see that. Like it was it was absolutely terrifying. It. It it was really terrifying. I mean, now we're speaking to you all when that fire has been 100% contained. Thank mm-hmm. you so much to all the firefighters and first responders. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, but it feels like just one more thing. Like it, it has been a really hard year, I think, for it, the whole world. Do you think in in the, in the in the um in the category of very strange, bleak, good news? Does it not feel like the pandemic has been totally relativized by the disaster of the fire? Like you just forgot about the pandemic now. Well, it's just the fire is so horrible now. It's weird because I grew up in this area and um, my dad was a firefighter and a logger um, back in the day. And a logger. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes, he was. Um, Most many, many people like back in the day in this area, logging was kind of the main industry. And um, so my, my parents had to evacuate our childhood home oh. and yeah, it was like really scary. I mean, we were scared for them and I remember talking to my dad about it and I thought that he would downplay it because he's like super experienced with all of that stuff and he was not downplaying at all. He was scared because he understood all of the things, like all the factors that went into the mm. creating like the, the worst case scenario for us here in oh Oregon. Yeah, it's been really hard. So it feels kind of apocalyptic. Um, I don't know about y'all because 
that that language. I love apocalyptic language. I love studying groups that use apocalyptic language. People have been talking about the multiple pandemics in our country using like end times language. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the sky was orange in the middle of the day. It can be worse. And I think even I was thinking about that word apocalyptic actually on my way in here today. And I was thinking, I mean, and by saying this, this is one of those statements that needs a caveat, uh, which is to say this statement in no way is intended to or does minimize the real pain all of us are facing or that people who are in many worse situations than yes. Leah and I here in the yes. studio are facing at all. But I was thinking like, oh my gosh, like if like this could go way worse than it is. Like and to yes. use the apocalyptic language almost seems like it's escalating a little too fast. Um, well, yes. I mean, I'm sure you all... We, there, there are many levels of hell beneath this level. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm thinking about Dante's Inferno here yeah. because, yes, you know, for the last week, like just yesterday, I unpacked our go bag mm -hmm. because well, we needed bag. to be able to go oh, at no, a moment's back to the notice. Prepping. Back to the prepper theme. Oh, my of goodness. The go bag. Full circle weird religion. We just became preppers. I was, oh, I thought I wanted to ask you. That was the question I should have asked. I can't is, believe it. Could you believe it when you were packing a go bag that you I, were then living not. that life? No, I could not. But if you have children, you got to be prepared. Yeah. And I think that. The act of packing the go bag was my moment where you were talking about uh, being with the dog because yeah. I was like, my children. And I had this thought, like, if we need to leave quickly, like, will we be able to get out? Right. Because for you listeners, there are only so many roads in and out of our town. And there, like there was fire every direction. It was there were a few nights where it was actually quite scary. You can't and I'm not a super dramatic gal. No, you're not dramatic. You cannot pretend that things are okay when you're packing a go bag and actually thinking about using it. Yes. I mean, I think <laughs> like, a lot of people like get their kicks kind of like you know, I think there's like a sport level to yes. to prepping. Yes. And this was not that. This no. was just like If you're prepping during a peace time, that could yeah. be fun. That could be fun. You're like hoarding little gold ingots. Oh. You're oh. kind of you know, you're 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 looking at your bullets and your water <laughs> right. and whatever. I heard the craziest story about this though. Someone who lives in my neighborhood, they had a new baby mm -hmm. recently, but they didn't know about all the fires. And, you know, when you have a new baby, you get into this weird hypnotic state yes. where you're just like, you don't know what day it is, what time Familiar. it is, because you're just, yeah. Anybody that. who's been in that position knows that. Mm -hmm. Well, these poor people woke up in the morning, like eight or nine in the morning, and there was this one day where it was just dark. And they were just like, oh. They, had no, they were like, what's going on? You know? And that was after the fire was on Shehalem Mountain, too. Yeah, so yeah. it's like they just- they, So they'd they been like having the baby- and didn't know about all that stuff. Oh. And then they came home. Yeah, I felt really badly for them. So yeah, to the thing about it can always get worse. I just, I'm like, <laughs> Go back. I'm, like, I'm like playing with the microphone cord for like comfort. Nervously. Right <laughs> I'm like nervously. I know. I'm just like I wrapping know. it around my hands. Okay. Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about we're talking about preppers. We're talking about like language about the civil war. And mm -hmm. I think, I think the thing that I'm most flustered and kind of irritated about in this moment right now mm -hmm. are like, I grew up in, in a culture. I don't think my own parents were like this, but like that loved this kind of stuff, like love talking about the end of the world mm -hmm. and ate up this language of war and all this kind of stuff. And then here we are where that language doesn't seem quite so far-fetched. I think that's the thing I resent about it because uh, I'm like, but it, let's not let's not be hasty. And now here we are. We're talking about an article that we found. We present to you an article. I'm reading the version on Newsweek right now, but I'm sure it's been reported all over the place. The headline, 
evangelical pastor. We got to talk about that word evangelical. Too, yes, yes, it's very As imprecisely. Always, I never feel like I can use that term. Evangelical pastor urges Christians to quote mobilize unquote to fight civil war against left wing activists. Shall we read some choice snippets? Um, yes. Joiner, who recently described Black Lives Matter protesters as, quote, the KKK of this time, unquote, oh discussed his concerns on the Jim Baker show. Jim Baker. Yes. Which, <laughs> okay. That's, that's to that show. to the question of whether or not this cons- it counts oh, as evangelical. My. There's a whole other thing we need to talk about regarding that. But quote, we're in a time of war. We need to recognize that we need to mobilize. We need to get ready. Joiner s- said during the show saying that he had a dream a prophetic dream that quote militias Mm -hmm. would pop up like mushrooms and they would be backed by god i can actually get on board with the first part of that as being a reality okay that that militias would will pop up like mushrooms (laughs) does that well that's like that that's that's happening that's reality yeah that's real yeah he's on solid ground with that one jesus himself said there's going to be a time when you need to sell your coat and buy a sword (laughs) now that was the physical weapon of their day and we're in that time here we need to realize that he said um here's the thing okay yeah here's the thing that 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 weirds me out a little bit about the article mm-hmm. looking for your take dr mm-hmm. Payne. Mm-hmm. he the article and his viewpoint takes a weird turn he goes on to describe how this is going to be against marxists and left-wing people and all this sure, kind of stuff sure. and you know he's kind of defending militias he's like they've gotten a bad name as being racist but they're not racist and then he goes on to make this defense of his dream, prophetic dream, which takes it in a direction I did not anticipate. Here's what from the article. The pastor also said that a new civil war is necessary because from heaven's perspective, the revolutionary war and the civil war did not fully accomplish their goals. Quote, by not abolishing slavery and by not becoming a place where all, will tr- all were treated equally and fairly, as we declared as our reason for independence, it made the civil war inevitable. If the tr- civil war had tr- uh, fully accomplished its purpose, the civil rights movement would not have been needed, etc. In this dream, another revolution slash civil war was now inevitable. <coughs> care to yeah uh, care to comment care to comment oh man it's like this is one of those things where i have so many thoughts it's really hard to choose just one is he trying to be not is he trying to be not racist by saying that well okay so i think and is it working (laughs) okay yes and no to to both of those questions yes he's trying not to be racist no it's not working i think um Okay, so then there's like another quote. He says, I do counsel those who've asked me about this, that Christians should join those that are not based on racism or other extremist views. Mm-hmm. And I think I would just say, which would be which militias? How, yeah, how would you do that? Yeah, because the idea that you're going to create a militia to fight a leftist group. Here's the thing that I think actually that's fascinating because you and I mm-hmm. live in the outskirts of a one of the centerpieces of like one of our president Donald J Trump's least favorite places on earth mm-hmm. actually i think if portland oregon portland if there's a, a city he hates more than portland i'd like to hear it because i don't think that exists yeah. he hates portland those of you who have been watching the news he's been like characterizing our fair city as full of Ex- leftist extremists, Antifa people that hit close to home because then there there were these weird conspiracy theories just recently over the last few days that conspiracies Antifa, everything is coming together. This is the exact moment for yes. podcasting. Oh, I know it's like too good. We couldn't platform. We couldn't stay away. So like there have been there were these rumors while firefighters were trying to 
fight wildfires. And while people were like fleeing their homes, there Mm -hmm. were other people who were saying that there were leftist conspiracies and Antifa that were like looting households in the countryside in our part of the world. Or that they were starting the fires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I think what I'm struck by, this isn't really a response to your question. That's okay. But what I'm struck by is how close to home all of this feels. Because I'm used to this language because there's like, there's been a segment of American evangelicalism particularly charismatic evangelicalism that has always kind of talked like this Mm -hmm. but this is like it has a lot of extra legs in new life in this current context and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the president seemingly authorizes that language and promotes it what do you think oh yeah well uh yeah i thought that was a bizarre turn to take to say that we need the militias because we didn't do the job well enough in <laughs> the civil war or the revolutionary war there are so many things wrong with that um like the british ended slavery without a civil war so i <laughs> i mean I'm that just, just doesn't make sure. any sense i you know i think it was i think it is i think it is difficult to disentangle the notion of a militia from people who have are engaging in at least light racism <laughs> racism if <light>. not full-blown <laughs> racism uh you know you wouldn't want to use a term a serious term like racism just merely as an aspersion against anyone that you don't like or don't agree with kind of like the way some people use liberal or something like that yeah. but i think that the militia movement is is a pretty well established racist trope well and i i think like specifically the vent if you were to draw a venn diagram over like using white supremacists and and militias they're certainly not all militias are white supremacists but a a, a fair percentage and the fact that he even had to like try and do those gymnastics should be a little bit telling one of the things that i thought was very disturbing was when he equated black lives matter to the kkk uh that's a weird that's a weird correspondence that was that was like actually super disturbing to me because that seems to imply for for a a lot of reasons and then i'd like to hear your thoughts is like that seems to imply that not only is it a mischaracterization of of black lives matter but also it implies that they are a clear and present like physical threat to people which is very scary assertion i'm 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 very confused by this uh rick joiner fellow (laughs) very confused indeed speaking of speaking of um quote evangelical leaders do you know what i just realized we, we missed over what? by not podcasting for the past few months what we oh missed we missed the jerry, so the, jerry much. the jerry falwell thing ah oh listeners just... we maybe we just need to do like a, it it's got to come up again as soon as there's another news story about it we got to talk about it because we were actually doing work together on a different course and we were like I can't believe, we can't believe we're not podcasting right you now. You tuned in today just to hear us hand Yeah, um, about things we didn't talk about. So let me ask you this, oh biblical scholar, mm-hmm. um, this kind of language, you know, this this idea. There's a lot of military language, but then there's usually some sort of like Old Testamenty angle mm-hmm. on this kind of like mm-hmm. pick up your arms. What do you think about that? Oh well. I, you know, there, there's there's war. Israel is called to war. There's divine war. And so for someone who sees themselves as living with no veil between them 
and that world, mm. one could easily see how one would want to run in those circles. I, I think of the book of Judges when I think of this kind of stuff. Um, we've talked about the book of Judges on the show before. Yes. Um, a book full of, of fascinating characters, but I think this is as close as you get to a kind of malicious style warfare where, mm. where these leaders will sort of rise up. The spirit of God will rush upon them. Yeah. Uh, Samson et al., Gideon, um, Ehud, et cetera, et cetera. Deborah as well. And they will lead Israel in, in successful warfare for a time. Um, the situations, though, are relatively not as complicated as I think our situation is now, where it's like, um, I think one thing that I think one thing that's that's a little bizarre. Going back to to Doctor Bird's dire pronouncement about where we could be headed in terms of a civil war, the United States Civil War in the 1860s was a kind of a clear cut thing, or just like in the Bible, you have like the Israelites versus the Moabites or sure, whatever it is. Sure. It seems like we're headed toward a weird situation, though, where you could have many non-state actors doing warfare, like different groups, where it's not really clear that there are just two sides. Like, what if you had a war? Is there is there such a thing as a war that has like three or five different sides? I've actually been thinking about that a little bit lately, because contrary to what other folks say who also like militias, Mm -hmm. the Civil War was primarily about the institution of slavery. Mm -hmm. Of course, there were other things, but yeah, you're right. There was like North versus South, you know, and I know that there were complexities within family units and blah, 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 blah. But um, yes, this one is very confusing because one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and this is like not based on either of our expertise, but I would like for you to reflect on when they say leftists Mm -hmm. like and they they talk about leftists as being a category of person who ought to be or or like maybe they're not making it personal, but that's a a category that ought to be violently um, resisted. What does that mean? Because that's confusing to me. I. Yeah, I mean, it's I I, I heard a, a a scholar of extremist movements from from uh, the University of California at San Bernardino talking on on the news the other day. I mean, he you know, there was there was an act of political violence on the streets of Portland by someone who self-identified with the left. Yes, and it, but he was actually stunned by that because the, these leftist groups like Antifa have actually not really been doing a lot of like killing like that. There's a certain sure. there's certainly looting and there's other kinds of violence. There's Antifa, and then there are people who would consider themselves on the political left who are not anarch. You know, just like right. all kinds of things. But um, on the other hand, um, you know, uh, um, 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 alt right type groups have in fact engaged in a lot more of this kind of stuff by right. statistic. I mean, it's just like it's overwhelming. I don't know who does more. Vi- like, I'm not even trying to pronounce about who does more violence or less violence, except to say, I think I was in college. Maybe I was even like a sophomore or junior in college. Maybe late in life when I realized terms like even like liberal and conservative were often, but especially the term liberal, were terms that people used very loosely to just describe a wide swath of people who seemed. To the, whom, with whom they disagreed. I think that's true. And that's what I find to be confusing about this is that I'm not exactly sure what the, the like what's the thing that puts the fear of God mm-hmm. into this man, Rick Joyner, which I also have to say as a pet peeve. And I think I feel this more strongly as a mother. I really don't like it when very old men are talking about going like stoking war because i'm like it's not going to be that guy who goes to the war you know it would be 
children. <laughs> you know, like right. it would be the young, um, usually statistically. So I really, really, that really bothers me. I'm like, let's not stoke those fires. You don't want to no. pay. I don't want to pay that price. And I know he wouldn't be paying it directly in the same way, but no, don't, don't volunteer me, Rick Joyner. Yeah, for no your, thanks. Uh, for your no thing. Thanks. Um, but uh, one of the things that I think is like, it's not clear to me. So I, we're heading toward a national election here. And it's a little, I'm, I'm a little nervous about what the outcome will be because of all this language about violent resistance. But so I'm listening to the language that people use to describe liberals or people on the left and, you know, as people that ought to be fought. And I'm, it's confusing because I'm like, what is the thing? Is it socialism? Like that, that seems to be kind of a, you know, like what's the thing that makes people so angry that they want to shoot someone? I don't, I seriously don't know. Do you? Uh, I do not. I've not. I've not been pushed to that point. I do know. I. I. I think there's this term. There's a term though that could describe this kind of confusing, multi-sided warfare. Yeah. And it's a term that, in fact, was defined by the United States government. Joint doctrine from the from the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Oh, interesting. It's called irregular warfare. IW. It's defined as quote a violent struggle among state and non-state actors for legitimacy and influence over the relevant populations. Um, and so. Uh, the idea and I like, and you can actually find the, the joint chief statement on irregular warfare online. Like it's published, it's a published paper. And I think, I think it maybe, um, had its, its, its origins when thinking about, you know, things that were happening in the Middle East, like in the nineties and in the early two thousands mm-hmm. and in Iraq and in Afghanistan, where you had all these different non-state actors trying to get, you know, or like, or like you picture like the Syrian civil war or things where it's like, yes, there's a war, but it's not always as simple as just side versus side. That kind of situation sounds a lot more like what you see happening. Like you could imagine that there were like maybe 20 or 30 different identifiable groups, some allied with other groups and some just working on their own doing mayhem. And it's easy to believe because in part we have actually seen that happen in the past few weeks. I think what's interesting, you're totally right. And the wheels were turning when I was listening to you um, describe irregular warfare because the language that that gets operationalized in this discourse is oftentimes language about patriotism like Mm -hmm. so you're the person who truly loves your country and Mm -hmm. I think what's confusing or it's unclear exactly what it would mean Mm -hmm. outside of like driving people out of the land like there's some like purity language that that seems to be implied sure um, and so that is confusing to me because the traditional lens of of looking at American politics, I think, is that we, the people, um, are governed. So there implies a some sort of like consensus building. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about violent resistance and driving people out, that that gets very confusing <sighs> okay. and scary. Historian of American yes. religion and Pentecostal charismatic movements in particular. <laughs> We're just like, yes, yes. I have a question for you, which Please. I think is going to get you riled up because it comes with Uh-oh. like a half-baked opinion about your field. Uh, Not about your field, but about about something in your field. Okay. And you can agree with it, disagree or qualify. Okay. So I'll do a thesis and then you do like <laughs> point counterpoint. Okay. Thesis. Rick Joyner. Okay. Isn't this guy like, isn't he like a charismatic dude who's like seeing visions and stuff? He's into spiritual warfare. He was fine with that. Now, why is he now talking about actual warfare? Ah, here we see the jig is up. As it turns out, most groups that have tended to identify as charismatic or Pentecostal have um, 
are really just basically evangelical or fundamentalists at their root. Whenever they're pushed, they are, they're not apolitical, just speaking in tongues, waiting for the new kingdom. No, they, the minute something like this comes up, he's going militia and he's, he's basically abandoning all of that stuff, which is to say that, um, did, did Pentecostal charismatic movements, dreaming dreams and speaking in tongues, did they ever really have an identity that was separate from this kind of fundamentalist political stuff? And if they did, what happened to it? And if they didn't, are we now just seeing these groups for what they are? They're basically, um, they're basically fundamentalist warmongers. Wow. Um, <laughs> was that provocative enough? That's a good question. Yes. Um, well, in my little corner of the world, uh, there are lots of different takes on that. Mm. So there are some folks who would argue that in the, their original state, Pentecostals were peace-loving, mm -hmm. you know, people who desired racial unity and um, and celebrated the the distinctives of like you know humanity and um, and then there are those who say that from the outset they were involved in like they were involved politically mm -hmm. and I tend to be um, the latter. Mm -hmm. So I actually am sort of suspicious of arguments that would say that there's like a pure past mm -hmm. that you need to like, if we could just get to that, if we could resurrect some, some portion, because I think um, even, even figures who would not, you wouldn't think to categorize in this like religious right kind of language, mm -hmm. they were, they believed that there was a this worldly fallout from like what was going on in the spiritual world. So I don't think there was ever a time when Pentecostals were like, were otherworldly. Mm -hmm. They were always involved in this world. It, it looked different and, uh, you know, according to the different varieties, I think for certain white charismatic uh, folks and Pentecostals, there's a lot of overlap between them and the religious right. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not surprising to me to hear this language at all. In fact, <laughs> he's on the Jim Baker show, which Jim Baker disgraced um, oh, Assemblies Jim of Baker. God. Yeah. And so that is like not a huge surprise like that, that those folks would like hanging out together. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just think like the, the, there's always been this group. I, to me, the unsettling part is that it seems to be taking center stage a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like there's in any group of people, there's like the fringe crowd where you're like, okay, you can exist, but we don't want you guys running this thing. Mm -hmm. This is the thing that disturbs <laughs> me is like, whoa, all of a sudden this is, you know, the headline says evangelical pastor. And there's like, you know, you don't expect popular, um, like news to be nuanced in how they identify groups. Mm -hmm. But the fact that people would just read this and be like, Oh, okay. This oh, is what evangelicals. all evangelicals think. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. whenever I see that word, I'm just, I'm, I'm less and less convinced that that term should be used to describe things. I just can't. It's just like, it describes so many different things to so many different people. And you, now you have slippage of the way that media uses the word evangelical versus how scholars like yourself would use it. Right. That right. it just becomes like, it's almost, almost it's, Why even it's, use it's, it? it's like unidentifiable. It has no meaning. It's just a cipher like the word liberal or like the word fundamentalist or any of these terms, right? Which have just become kind of like hatchet terms for groups of people that are different from you that you think are dumb. Well, I have one last question for you because I know we need to wrap it up at, at some point. We probably should. But he talks about like having a prophetic dream. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, like, 
Bible scholar, Bible mm-hmm. language, Bible time. Mm-hmm. Um, does that seem credible at all to you? To have a prophetic dream. That this prophetic dream. Oh, the, the, his exact prophetic <laughs> dream. Based on the Bible. Well, you know, anything's possible. And um, I'm not God for certain. But um, <laughs> it's hard to imagine the God of my tradition wanting what he wants. Um, it could be that actually his prediction is true and it is not something that God wants, but he's motivated maybe by some other forces in the universe that are Whoa. not God. Like, Take you know, a Pentecostal uh, right there. Right? Like, yeah. um, you know, or it could be that it could be that we lapse into the kind of world he's describing as a punishment um, for ourselves and not, not, uh, you know, precisely for our own sins, not maybe for the reasons that he thinks. I've been listening to this other creepy podcast and Mm -hmm. it's called the Magnus archives. And it's like ghost Mm -hmm. stories. I love Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And one episode was about this, um, these two men who were fighting in the trenches in world war Mm one. And the whole episode centered around them meeting the God of war. And that's what it made me think of. That's frightening. I know. Hey, thanks for listening, weirdos. Why did you say it so derisively? Uh, It's a compliment. (laughs) It is. For extras on subjects covered in this episode and other related jokes and miscellany, do not forget to follow us on the socials and visit our website, weirdreligion.com. This episode was produced by Leanne Drain and Ryan Smoke at our new studio space, The Bunker. Our theme music is by Cassie Blum and our artwork is by John Williams. A special shout out to the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning in Theology and Religion for their support for these new episodes. Remember when you podcast, podcast with us. Bye.